Welcome back to the first Guildhall School event podcast of 2016, where today we're talking to the cast and crew of Carol Churchill's Top Girls. I'm very pleased to welcome stage manager Holly Trist, lighting designer Don Baker, and cast members Ellen Francis and Abigail Richardson. Top Girls was written in 1982 by Carol Churchill and features Marlene, a career-driven woman who's only interested in women's success in business. As the play unfolds, we find Marlene has left her poor life an illegitimate child with her sister Joyce in order to tread the path to success. The play examines the role of women in society and what being a successful woman means. Uh, we've got cast members here today, so we've got Ellen and Abigail. Hello. 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 Um, does, does what I just said, does it sum up the, the play for you or is, it, is this, it, does this feel like quite a different uh, representation of it? I mean, pretty much, but this is what Joe said to us the first yeah. day. It's not about Marlene. It's about Angie more than it is anyone else. She's sort of the sort of integral victim mm. of the play. So in a way, it revolves around her yeah. through Marlene's actions. Yeah, and her choices. Yeah. But the only thing that I would say that was left out in that is the play shows what women, Marlene in this case, and the other women in the first scene, what have they had to give up Mm. in order to be successful, and is it worth it? Yeah. Is it worth it in the end? Yeah, and I think that question can also... I don't think it's necessarily gender-specific. No. I think it's what the play raises. It's not only about no. it's what do we give up for success and what counts as success in our society yeah. is it having being a billionaire on a yacht or is it having a good family or is it this is women between? because it's in the 80s because in so the 80s it's, and it's a really interesting question to yeah. bring up uh, Abigail you're playing Marlene yeah um, so you're the sort of are you the sort of lead role in this I mean a lot of the play is around her choices and yeah. around I should say my my choices and my decisions and it's all sort of, but I'd say it isn't really because Joyce is her sister. It's almost like the antithesis to you politically and then lifestyle. Yeah. And then you've got Angie. Yeah. Which is our daughter, Mm. kind of. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Who is another lead role. Yeah. And I guess the only way that you could I think you are there sort of throughout the whole play. In the first act, there's almost like a fantasy sequence yeah. with a lot of very odd characters yeah. <laughs> coming in, and Marlene's the only character from that scene that yeah. goes through the whole journey. The that, that's that's quite a famous scene, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. The opening scene. The restaurant scene. So, a lot so of people what, what remember that scene and then don't realise the rest of the play is the same play because yeah. it's so bizarre. Yeah. But apparently she wrote them separately. So she wrote that yeah. scene that restaurant scene and then wrote Top Girls and mashed them together because it has some sort of flow to it, I guess. It took took us a long time in rehearsal to actually figure out what that scene is about. about. I don't know if we have quite yet, but we're getting there. Still got a couple of weeks left to do that. (laughs) Really nail it. But So who comes on? So you are the only present day character. Yeah, Marlene. And so I have uh, a dinner where I invite loads of women, none of my existing friends, which probably means that I don't have many. And uh, so the first one is, which Ella is playing, is Isabella Bird. Yeah, a Victorian explorer from like, the 1870s. Mm-hmm. 
The second one is Lady Nijo. Japanese 13th century concubine. Yeah. And um, <laughs> then we've got Gret, who is just a character from a painting by Bruegel. And uh, the fourth one is... Pope Joan. Pope Joan. From the 8th century. Who became Pope pretending that she was a woman. A man. A man, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> pretending that all that rule. Pretending that she was a man and... Uh, and they only found out, I think this story is hilarious, they only found out that she was a woman because she gave birth in the street during a procession. <laughs> That's a giveaway, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. Like, all these oh, anecdotes yeah. sort of come up through. All of these characters tell their life story to Marlene mm-hmm. and it's up to us to yeah. sort of work out how that represents the meaning of the play, I guess. Yeah. And the central, um, the central kind of thing that we all go back to in that dinner scene is talking about children. Children. Children Relationship with children. Everyone's lost or lost the opportunity to have a child. Yeah. Or wanted. And it becomes clear very early on Mm. that everyone's lost a child in some way. Yeah. Or left something behind. Like you left, you as Isabella left 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 your, your your sister. Yeah. Because of their desire for success. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And to go on and to push through that. Probably something that a lot of people in London and beyond can, uh, you know, resonate yeah, with. Yeah, it's really interesting it's really doing this play with the school in the middle of the financial district. Because literally <laughs> yes. you walk outside and there are a million Marlenes yeah. just walking by in their black heels and their black coats. Oh my goodness, yeah. With their Gucci bags and stuff, yeah. it's crazy. Um, it, it's, uh, it's written in 1982 and you said... Uh, it's a really interesting time for this to be written. So in the very sort of the first few years of Thatcherism, yeah. and I guess yeah. that's reflected in, in the play, uh, in, in the writing and in, in this sort of representation of success. Mm-hmm. Um, how else do you sort of, do you feel that coming through? Well, even though it's so specific to a particular time, because, I mean, Margaret Thatcher is actually mentioned in the polit- political argument mm-hmm. at the end of the play, in the last act. But... It's so relevant. It's really so relevant universal. Now. Like when you, I think even over Christmas, I had a massive, massive row with my family over. Uh, I mean, just talking about politics. Yeah. Talking about what was. I think we were talking about what was happening with the refugees at the moment, and just having that massive row, that massive com- confrontation. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with Margaret Thatcher. No, but it has everything to do with it. Family, <laughs> family. But no, it's it's really interesting having a new Conservative Party come in. Yeah. And this question of the individual versus the group. Yeah. Really comes in at the end of the mm-hmm. play, and I think it's really interesting now in terms of. Yeah, it is really with the refugee crisis. Actually, yeah, what is our responsibility, yeah, and absolutely. what do we ignore? Yeah. Which is exactly what Marlene does. Yeah, completely for her own benefit. Mm. Completely. Um, and we've got we've got a couple of the crew here. I hope you don't mind me calling you that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got Holly, who's the stage manager, and Don Baker, who's lighting designer. Does it look really eighties, or is it sort of uh, as a bit has it been moved? Well, what's really interesting from a lighting point of view is that um, the designer Dora has decided to uh, move the, the look of the play away from being naturalistic, um, like it was set in a 1980s house or whatever, to being much more abstract. So it's set against the, the backdrop of the, the 1980s, and you can hear that in the script, but from a set design and lighting design point of view, there's a lot more uh, 
there's a lot more to play with um, and we wanted it to look a lot more sort of uh, shocking I suppose um, and a bit more raw compared to the naturalism that the play was intended with uh, so that it can work with the script in how you in how you interpret the script. I think raw is quite a good word for it. In terms of the all of the furniture is um, very distressed and it's grey and it's got lots of colours in it. It's got some metal on it. So that's it's sort of a bit apocalyptic in that sense. But the the costume the costume is instantly you think it's eighties. There's shoulder pads. There's big bold colours and patterns and just all the shapes and I think there might be a jumpsuit in there somewhere (laughs) you just look at it and instantly think I mean there are some props that you think oh that's a bit before before now or whatever I mean we had a kettle turn up today and it looked ancient to me but obviously it's not it's just in the 80s Um, so yeah I think the main thing in terms of how it looks is the costume that instantly says if you're not if you weren't listening to the play if you're just watching it you'd look at it and think that has to be the 80s I think there's going to be some hair and makeup in there as well that <laughs> sort of screams 80s at you as well it must be quite a nice uh, quite a nice time period to, to work with I know we're no stranger to putting on productions that were written in the 80s yeah I think 80s is good to do because it has got a distinctive look I mean obviously it's going to be different it, Every time you do a, a, a period piece, it's going to be different to how it actually looked because we're sourcing it now, not then. But I think, especially in, I don't know, I think 80s is quite quite trendy. I think it's, it's got a... Well, if you've ever been to East London, it's basically the 1980s, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. So I think, I, think it helps, I think it helps, actually, that it is still quite a recent thing. There'll be lots of people in the audience who were born in the 80s or lived through the 80s, and that'll be... Um, you know, easy for them to see, but for people that, for people like me that I was born after the 80s, um, I think it will still be obvious, not only just because they talk about, you know, Thatcher and everything, it, it does look obviously 80s, even though the set doesn't look 80s at all. Okay, well, I think we should be over from the 80s because you're making, <laughs> me, making me feel old now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe Blashley. Uh, he's a regular collaborator of the school. What's it like to actually work with him as a director from a sort from a from a techie point of, point of view? Uh, yeah, it's it's, um, it's really really interesting. He's um, he's very open to discussing ideas, um, and along with him and Dora, uh, collaborate together very well. And it does mean that you can, um, from the very sort of initial concept meetings, he's, he portrays exactly or describes exactly his uh, vision for what he wants to do with the play, but he's also uh, interested in your artistic input and and wants to collaborate with you on it. So, he's, yeah, it's very interesting to work with. Yeah, it's nice. I know that he's worked with Elsa, our DSM, and he's really wanted to include her in, in the process and not just her sitting in the rehearsal room taking taking notes and blocking. I know that she's been involved in, in lots of discussions and she can she thinks of something she can she can say it Joe's also nice because you know that he knows that we're learning he's really got yeah. that he'll, he'll say that to you and, and, and it sort of puts you at ease that you've still got to do the best you can but we all know that we're learning here so yeah. and it's the first time for a lot of us doing these roles it's a school isn't it you know at the end of the day you know <laughs> yeah exactly um, um, actors do you, do you feel the same what's it like working with Joe compared to um, you know the other directors you've been working with this, this year it's been really interesting for us because this is the first time we're working with an outside director. 
because we had Wynne Jones and Christian Burgess and yeah. well you self-directed yourself in the last project oh, and so you know yeah. yourself pretty well yeah. so it's <laughs> the right. first time having a stranger come in yeah. for us to direct a third year project yeah. and it's been great but we had heard about him We'd heard we about heard him. that he was scary <laughs> scary <laughs> and he isn't scary at no, all he's fantastic no he's not it's really no we just heard he's sweet really, he's really <laughs> lovely and yeah. and the rehearsals are he we knew that he worked a lot on improv but because in Top Girls it's there aren't many relationships because he works improv with relationships so you improv the relationship yeah and, and so what precedes the scene and we've done a little bit of that for the final scene yeah but the rest for the example rest. in the office uh, I mean the interviewees don't have a relationship with um, one of the top girls until they the sit office. down with them until they sit down so with there's them. no point so there's no point something really. before so I think it's been new-ish for Joe as well yeah because he said Ooh, well I can't really do any improv on this so let's just go straight in it mm. and kind of see what we've got but yeah it's been really fun yeah. I don't know if it was for Napoli Millionaria and I think they said that they had to um, improv uh, Christmas Day I was it that one about that mm, they brought in stage management brought in a full Christmas dinner I think <laughs> yeah Christmas tree yeah we've heard rumours of that yeah and the actors, oh. the actors didn't yeah. eat all day so that they'd feel for a day before so that they'd feel hungry I heard that oh really <laughs> yeah so they'd feel like they were in the middle of ready for Christmas dinner well yeah. two not having much to eat so you didn't you didn't get a Christmas dinner this time you got told off by Mike Alfred because oh. Joe sent them to run in the uh, corridor. Yeah. yeah, there's a bit where um, basically the two younger girls, so our collective daughter mm. and her friend, are playing up, and Joe just got them to run down the school. And this is a really open plan building, and we were just running past all everyone else's rehearsal room, screaming at each other for ten minutes. And yeah, apparently didn't go down too well. But that's, that, that's what I was, I was saying earlier. You never know in this place if people are actually having an argument or whether they're doing yeah. it because oh, yeah. of an improv session. Yeah, I think it's just because the school's so open, you see and hear everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if somebody was pretending to be seriously ill, I don't know whether anybody yeah. would help. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's an actor so as well, true. so you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, I just want to say thank you very much for your time coming thank in your lunch you. break, thank and I uh, can't wait to see you in action. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Guildhall School Events podcast. Top Girls opens on the 8th of February 2016 in the Theatre at Milton Court and tickets are available from the Barbican box office in person, over the phone and online at gsmd.ac.uk.